So, Second uh, Kings, we'll continue in uh, in our study of the of the prophet Elisha. Uh, we're in Second Kings chapter five tonight. Uh, for a, f- a few chapters, several chapters, we've kind of gotten away from the kings themselves and kind of focused in the, in the life of Elisha after he had taken over for Elijah. Uh, it's interesting because Elisha, the amazing prophet that he is, as we've been seeing, as we will continue to see, it's it's interesting that he's only mentioned once in the New Testament. It's interesting because Elisha or Elijah, his his mentor is is named like uh, twenty nine times in the New Testament, in comparison to to this guy, and 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 as I was thinking about that, I thought, poor Elisha, he's he's like the Rodney Dangerfield of, of prophets. He gets no respect, you know. We 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 don't. We don't always like turn to Elisha, you know, it's always about Elijah. And he was, he, he was the greatest prophet, you know, that people talk about, you know, and, and, and they didn't do what they did for the Lord to gain favor of anybody or to gain position. We, I think, are the ones that, that have considered Elisha or Elijah as to be one of the greatest prophets. Well, even Jesus kind of mentioned that he was. You know, and the only one greater than him would be John the Baptist. And so, again, there, there was a, there was a certain level that Elijah held. But when you look at Elisha, man, he came right behind him and just continued the ministry that God had for him and for the nation of Israel, for the northern kingdom, for the most part. But, but, but both of these men, they did some amazing things in the name of the Lord. And it was never to show off. Um, it was never to make a name for themselves. I, I believe that they were just open to what the Lord had for them. And they wanted to be used of the Lord in any way possible. And so what they did, they did put themselves out there. I know that there was times that God just uh, spoke to them and, 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 and brought them out and, and used them. But there was times that they just they just made themselves available to the Lord. They put themselves out there. And when they did, God used them. And the same is true today for us. When when, when we end up like praying a prayer, because I think we often pray, it's like, Lord, just use my life, you know, just use me wherever. And then God goes, okay, well, I need you to step out. I don't know if I really can. Ah, man, I'm kind of embarrassed. You know, I'm not an upfront kind of person who's going, no, I, I don't want you up front. I just not need you to minister to some people at work or or this person or that person going, I'm not good with words. I don't know what the scriptures say. And then so we kind of disqualify ourselves and we go, we want to be used, but uh, maybe not right now, Lord. And, 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 and yet when we put ourselves out there, then God will use us. And it should always be for the glory of God. Not not to get any kind of recognition, but for the glory of God. And what we see tonight is Elisha putting himself out there. But always in, in one sense, being in the background. Not always in the forefront. And we've seen this about him already a couple of weeks ago. When, when, when he says things, or was it last week, whenever, whenever it was, when he says to go do something, but he's not involved in it, he just goes and tells them, this is what you need to go do. And, and it's like he, he doesn't, he's not involved in, in that, in the process. God just used him to say certain things. 
And so he was kind of in the background. So, so maybe so that he wouldn't get any of the glory. And we're going to see that even tonight. And what we see tonight is an amazing healing and conversion that takes place. And so Second Kings chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, it says, Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. Because by him the Lord had given to Syria, given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. And the Syrians had gone out on a raid, on raids, and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus says the girl who was from who was from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, Now be advised, when this letter comes to you, that I have sent Naaman, my servant, to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. And it happened, when the king of Israel read the letter, that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive, that this man sends me, sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see that he seeks a quarrel with me. Now, I find it interesting as we kind of stay there for just a little bit. I find it interesting that this chapter is about a, a commander from the opposing army. If, if you remember a little bit of the history that we've kind of already gone through with the northern kingdom and with Syria. There has been at times that they have fought each other, but there's been also times where there was a treaty that was made between the two, and we remember that from Ahab and Ben-Hadad, that there, there was a treaty. He left them, he, he let them uh, live, and yet God didn't want him to, to live, but he, he made this treaty with him. And so they, they, there was times of peace with them, but they really didn't like each other. They were enemies with one another. And it's interesting to me that as we're looking at this, that we, we meet a man by the name of Naaman, and he is the commander of this army. And it says that, that the Lord had given him victory in Syria. He, even though they don't worship the God of Israel, even though they don't serve the God of Israel, I find it fascinating that God is still working in other countries. And I think oftentimes we have the concept that God only works with us in the United States. <laughs> because we're Americans. And God always loves America, doesn't He? Just like everybody else. He wants to make America great. 
And so, so you know, we, we, we kind of think like God's is only our God. And He is in a lot of sense. He's my God. I call Him my God. But here, He is the God of Israel. And even though He is the God of Israel, He had given Syria victory because of Naaman. And, I, and, and he, he, he didn't worship him. But I think that part of the victory here that he gave him was because of the wickedness that the northern kingdom was in. That there was times that, that God allowed them to lose the battles because of their disobedience. Because of what they were not doing for the Lord. I, I, I know that even when, when they were doing the things for the Lord, as far as the northern kingdom, they would win and lose battles, but God was always on their side. And I think the northern kingdom had gotten so far away from God that at times He would give Syria victory. And perhaps this victory that He is talking about was one of those times that they had a scrimmage, uh, a, a fight, a, a battle. And it was in that time that they had taken this young girl captive. But but look at the, the, the description that we have of this man in the very first verse. He is a commander. And, and, and we kind of learn that he is like, like the king's right-hand man. And not only that, but he is a great and honorable man. And it says that he is a great and honorable man in the sight of the king. But I'm sure a lot of people looked at this man and said, he is. He's, he is that kind of a man. He is a great man and he is an honorable man. But he is also a mighty man of valor. That means that he was a brave man that went out and he, he, he just commanded uh, attention and he commanded respect and he was able to just take care of business. That's what kind of man he was. He was a, a man of valor, of courage that was trusted in his country. But he was also a leper. Four out of five isn't bad. He, he, he does good. But he just so happens to be a leper. And being a leper is not like, oh, I just have an owie, I'll, I'll get better. No, a, a leper, being a leper was one of those things, a disease that was incurable. And, and most often than not, you just died eventually. Sometimes it lingered. Sometimes it went, it was all over your body. Sometimes it wasn't all over your body. It was just in, in parts of your body, but you were a leper nonetheless. And there was really no cure for it back then. And people just had to deal with that. Now, apparently, because he is not from the nation of Israel, he is still able to be all these kinds of things in the nation of Syria. Because if he was, from the nation of Israel, and he was a leper, a leper, then he would be an outcast, and he would be none of those things. Maybe he was in the past, but now that he has leprosy, he has to be set aside and, and put away, because that's what the nation of Israel uh, did, and that's what the law of Moses commanded, that when somebody had, had leprosy, they'd go to the priest, and they'd check him out, they'd make sure it was leprosy, and then they put him in these colonies, and these people, and, 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 and you weren't supposed to go and touch them and be around them. But apparently in his country, they were able to do that. A leper or a leprosy is often associated with sin. And, and as pastors, we, we, we look for the correlation there, you know, oftentimes. Not always, but, but yes. It, it, you know, leprosy was an incurable uh, disease, just like sin is incurable. 
You, you, you can't be cured from sin. We are sinners. We, are all, we will always be sinners. And it will eventually bring forth death. Because that's what sin does. It brings forth death. The only thing that can heal us of our sin is the blood of Jesus Christ. And, and we have redemption by that. And leprosy would only be healed by, a, by miraculous means, just like we're healed from our sins by miraculous means by the blood of Jesus. But it tells us in verses 2 to 4 that the Syrians, again, they had gone and, and raided. They had been, you know, being in fights here. And at one of those times, but I'm sure there were several times that they had taken people captive, in, in particular, one of these times they brought back a young girl from the land of Israel and she waited on Naaman's wife. A young Jewish girl had been taken from her family. She had been taken from her home. She had been taken from her country. And she basically became a slave. And she was given over maybe to this commander and and he brought her home, or however the case was. But he says, here, honey, I brought you a slave girl. She, she will take care of your needs. It doesn't tell us her age, but she was a young girl. How is that even right, you know, that that God would help someone who is harboring, in one sense, a young girl that has been taken away from her family? How, how is it that we have a story like this that, that, that we're looking at a man named Nabin? If you know the, the story, God's going to touch him. But God has given them victory. And yet we have this young girl that has been taken away from her family. How is it that God would even bless them in any way because of what they've done to a young Jewish girl? But apparently she is making the best out of a bad situation. Because just seeing what we've read right here, that this young girl who, who waits on this guy's wife, she tells this guy's wife, her miss, the, the mistress, if you will, if only, if only my master knew what could happen in my country. And, and I'm reminded of, of Joseph when he made the best out of a bad situation, when he was taken captive, when, or, or he was sold into slavery, and, and he was in these bad situations. It just seemed like God was still there with him. And this young girl, even though she's away from her, her, her home, her family, her country, she hasn't forgotten who her God is. She hasn't forgotten the power of, of, of what he can do in people's lives. And, and so it seems like, like this master of hers was kind to her and, and, and to the family that she would be so willing to offer, man, if only my, my master knew that there is somebody in my country that could heal leprosy. And it's interesting because we've never heard of anybody getting healed from leprosy. We, we're never told that, that Elisha has done this before or any of those prophets before, that there was this, like this, this healing of, of, of leprosy services that they had or something. You know, she's just saying, I know that God can heal this man if he was over in my country. I know what could happen. And so she tells her mistress, her mistress tells her master, and her master tells the king of Syria. 
about what can be done for him in the, in the nation of Israel. What, a, what an interesting set of events. This young Jewish girl, somehow the things that she said reaches the king's ears and he acts on it. Because when he goes and tells him, he's just, he just tells him thus and thus or this and that. <laughs> this, is, this is what this girl said. And we should never underestimate what the Lord can do when we speak of His faithfulness and of His goodness to people outside that are non-believers. Never underestimate the, the, the God bless you or the prayer for someone or, or, or the, the encouraging words of what God has done in your life, encouraging somebody else, that it's not going to reach three or four different people just by your testimony of what God has done in your life or what you believe God can do and will do and has done. That somebody else is not going to go tell their friend and then their friend and then their friend and then they are going, whoa. You're kidding me. God is able, well, a friend of a friend of a friend told me that he is capable of doing that. Never underestimate what God can do when we speak in his name or, and, and, and with that, that conviction and that power behind it. How God can use it. And so it says that the king of Syria says to him, go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. Now, the king of Syria at this point more than likely is Ben-Hadad II. Or the second. (laughs) And he is willing to do just about anything to keep this valuable commander alive. And it's hearsay from this little girl to him. And he's going, then let's, let's send you over there as soon as possible. If there is someone who could touch this guy and heal him, then by all means, we will do whatever it takes to get him over there, even if it means going into the enemy, across enemy lines. And so it says that he departed, but not without some gifts. What they didn't understand about the God of Israel is that he doesn't demand gifts, maybe like their gods did. Because most often than not, other gods demanded gifts from the people and then I will do you the favor that you're asking. And I think, how how silly is that? Because there are no gods at all. They're just statues and idols. And somebody is the one that came up with the idea. Well, if you really want His favor, then bring some gifts to the altar. And as long as you leave, leave the gifts at the altar, then that god that can't see or speak or hear or anything will take care of your thing, but make sure you bring some, some, some gifts with you. And God doesn't require of that of us. He doesn't require anything from us except our whole life. <laughs> the only thing we're, we are to offer Him is our, is, is our, our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to Him. But he ends up bringing what it says here, 10 talents of silver, which adds up to 750 pounds of silver. So you know he has this little entourage that he's bringing with him because they're carrying all this silver, 750 pounds of silver and about 150 pounds of of gold. 
that, that, that is coming with them. On top of that, 10, 10 articles or 10 sets of clothing for, for people or for this guy. But more importantly, he's bringing a letter with him. And this is the way verses 6 and 7 read in the New Living Translation. It says, The letter to the king of Israel said, With this letter I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, This man sends me a leper to heal. Am I God that I can give life and take away? Take it away? Can you see that he is just trying to pick a fight with me? (laughs) The king from the northern kingdom, again, this king is is more than likely at this time, it, 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 it is probably King Jehoram, the son of Ahab. He he is the one that 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 received this letter, and he receives this letter, and it's it's almost like it's very vague in one sense. But this king is the furthest thing from healing anybody. He is a wicked king. He has always been a wicked king. Matter of fact, when Elisha came out on the scene, he really didn't trip out on Elisha, and and he didn't even think about Elisha when he's reading this letter. This letter, he's going, "What the heck?" Is this guy trying to mess with me and pick a fight? He's trying to tell me that I need to heal this guy? He didn't even think of a prophet of God that could do something like that because he's so far away from God in that sense. And I'm sure the king of Syria assumed that the king of Israel would just call for a prophet, any prophet, because this young girl didn't mention Elisha but maybe that's who she meant. But the king of Israel never even thought of calling him to do the healing because he knew he himself could not do anything. He, had, he, he didn't think, think too highly about the prophets of God. But again, we must admit that this letter is pretty vague. And he already has this leper right in front of him. <laughs> Thinking, are you kidding me? You're sending this man for me to heal him? He's already here? It's not like you gave me a heads up, like warn me, hey man, I'm going to send a cat that's kind of full of leprosy. Can you find out what you can do? He just says, hey man, I got a guy here who needs a healing and I need you to heal him. The fact that the king tore his clothes was a sign of of anxiety and distress. Something's wrong. And it wasn't something the kings did lightly, nor did they do regularly. But when they did, it was a big deal. And there was some trouble that's going on. and, And the king is in distress. For him, this letter that the king of Syria sends is basically a declaration of war on his part. And it's truly not intended for that. But he's looking at the spiritual or the physical stuff that's right before him, not even thinking on the spiritual realm. 
And so in verse 8, it says, So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had tore his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Why have you tore your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. And Naaman went to went with his horses and chariot and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abana and the uh, Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters in Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then? When he says, wash and be clean. So they went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. Somehow, Elisha catches wind that the the king has tore his clothing. Now, some commentators believe that the Lord just spoke to him. And told them what was going on. It's quite possible that the Lord revealed that to him. But however it was revealed to him. He himself doesn't go to the king. He just sends him a letter and says, hey man, what's up? What's going on? And apparently he knew exactly what was kind of going on. But he's going, why did you tear your clothes? Why don't you just send them to me? Why don't you just send them to me? That he might see that there was a prophet in Israel. And again, here's where I see how he has just put himself out there. Again, he could have just said, ah, he tore his clothes. Big deal. Why should I care? He never even asked for my opinion. Instead of just letting this misunderstanding turn into a war. And just going, well, it's my fault. He doesn't. He kind of puts himself out there. He kind of puts himself into the situation. And maybe he understands that the, that the king is thinking, this guy wants, wants war, or you know, he wants war with me. And, and Elisha's going, man, people are going to die. Something's going to happen. I'm going to put myself out there. And he just tells the king, hey, why don't you just send him my way? I'll take care of it for you. Again, we, we have no indication that he has healed anybody from leprosy before. Why in the world is he just going, well, I'll do it. Maybe because he's already put himself out there for the Lord and he knows that the Lord will use him somehow. That when the time comes, when the guy shows up to him, he'll just tell him what to go do. And it's interesting because he says, hey, just just send him my way so he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. Not to gain you know no, notoriety or anything like that in his life, but he's just going, hey, send him my way. I'll take care of the situation for you. 
that he may know that there is a, a true prophet, one who serves the God of Israel. And so this guy brings his whole entourage to, to Elisha's house, and we don't know how far it was, it, it was from the palace, but it was probably still in Samaria. And so he stands there, and I'm sure he knocks, and he's expecting this whole thing to happen, and Elijah doesn't even get off the couch. He just tells his servant, hey, tell that cat to go to the Jordan River and dip seven times, and he'll be, he'll be healed. <laughs> and I just think, once again, he's just kind of in the background going, I don't even have to go out there and tell him. I can just send my servant. God's power is the one that's going to do this. He's just using me as a messenger. And I'm going, but how did you know what to go tell him? How come it wasn't five times? How, how come it wasn't ten times? How come it's like, well, tell him to go to the Jordan and dip seven times. Again, he's just kind of in the background still, just kind of giving the instructions. Here again, he's just putting himself out there. And, and now Naaman has to make a decision. Do I obey what this guy is telling me to go do? Or do I just shine him on? Because I think that's the stupidest thing. Because he, he gets upset because he's going, you would think that he would come out and at least greet me. I'm a commander of the army. I'm here on, on special assignment. I need to be healed. You would think that he would at least come and address me, but he doesn't do any of that. It's almost like he already had this preconceived idea of how he should be healed. Maybe because that's the way he saw prophets from his country do things, that they come and they do the whole mojo thing and, you know, whatever they do, you know, alakazam, you know, and put your hand right over, it's right around there, right there. However they did it, and and here this guy's going, no, just tell him to go down the Jordan take seven times. He'll, he'll he'll be fine. See, the Jordan from at least Samaria where they're at is a good twenty-five to thirty miles that he would have to travel. He he's probably traveled over a hundred miles to get there. And 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 maybe he could just call it a wash and say, you know what, let's just go back home. Let's just go do that. This guy's just messing with me. But it almost seems like Elisha knew that Naaman needed to be humbled before he got healed. And becoming furious furious and thinking, how come he didn't come out and greet me? And what he's telling me to do sounds too simple and too silly to go do. And I find it interesting that when people when they decide, you know, I, I'm, I'm hurting, I need something else in my life, um, I, I, I know that there's a God and maybe I should turn to God, and then they come to God and then they figure, let me, let me tell you how I want you to work in my life. Let, let me give you my prescription of how I want to be healed or saved. It's interesting because people do that. Because sometimes you go, oh, I, all you have to do is just pray and ask the Lord to come into your life, and they're going, no, no, I think I should do these kinds of things or it should be this way or this is the way it should be. And maybe people are going, Don't, doesn't God really know who I am? He's, get, he's gaining something huge with, with me and maybe I should do something special for him. And it's like, no, you don't have to and, and you don't get to pick the rules of how you get saved. <laughs> but this guy, he, he's kind of, kind of throwing that out there. I, you would think that it would be this. 
and he wants to do it his own way. And when we look at what he's telling him to go do, it's not about the method of how he's going to be healed. It's about the obedience. Yeah, I, again, man, we, we look in the New Testament of how Jesus healed people, and he just did it several different ways. Sometimes he wasn't even there. A guy comes traveling, you know, my son is dying. He goes, oh, all you wanted is a miracle. Go your way, your son lives. Other times he spits on the ground and makes mud and puts it in the guy's eye. It's like, really, Jesus? Other guy just spits in his face. Like, here, there you go. Uh, there's different ways that he was doing it. And here he's telling him to go do something that just sounds silly. And yet it's all about now the pride of this Naaman guy. His pride has been kind of crushed a little bit because the guy never even came out. And then he tells him to go dip in the Jordan. And he's going, man, we have some beautiful rivers back in Syria. And again, it's not about the water. It's not about the method. It, it, it is truly about the obedience. And yet he walks away in a rage. And I love the fact that he has some servants that truly do love him. They call him my father, which was a, a, a sign of affection. They, 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 they loved him and they respected him. And they tell him, if the prophet would have told you to go do something great, something difficult or even impossible, you would have rose to the challenge. If it would have been something that would brought you some prominence, you would have done it. So why can't you just go do what is simple and humble? And just let's just go down 30 miles from here and dip in the Jordan. You know, I think for oft, oftentimes we look at the Jordan, it's like, oh, it's the Jordan River. And, and it was a muddy, ugly little river at the time. And he knew that. And he's thinking, he wants me to go down and then dip seven times. That sounds stupid. But again, it's not about the method. It's about the obedience. And he's going, and it just sounds like nonsense to him. And I could imagine the whole 30 miles, these guys are going, oh, we shouldn't have talked him into it, just complaining the whole way. But they get there, and I'm sure he's still looking at them going, I'm going to walk in right now. And he goes into this dirty water, and he dips once, and he comes up, and I'm sure now they're going to start counting. There's one. There's two. And I'm sure he's thinking, after the seventh time, I'm going to let these guys have it all the way home. All the way home, I'm going to let these guys have it because this is the stupidest thing that could ever happen in my life. There's three. There's four. And I'm sure he's giving them that look. One more time. And he looks down, or he goes down and he comes up. And I'm sure he is ready to tell these guys what for. And he probably sees their eyes going. And he looks down. And his leprosy is gone. It's like, what? His pride almost kept him from being healed. Because he just thought, how can, how can that even work? It sounds so silly. But it's not about the method. It's not what God calls us to go do sometimes. Are you going, man, I'm going to look stupid in front of my family or my friends all my co-workers. And if God, and God wants me to go pray for who? Why? Not them. 
Because I know what they're going to do after I leave. They're all going to make fun of me. And yet God says, but I need you to go. Why don't you just put yourself out there? And people are going to get touched and healed. And then it says in verse 15, And he returned to the man of God, he and all his aides, and came and stood before him and said, Indeed, now I know that there is no other God, no God in the earth except the God, except in Israel. Now therefore, please take a gift from your servant. And he, Elisha, said to him, Before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. So Naaman said, if, Then if not, please let your servant be given two mule loads of earth. For your servant will no longer offer burnt offerings or sacrifices, sacrifice to other gods, but to the Lord God, but to the Lord. Yet, in this very thing, may the Lord pardon your servant. When my master goes to the temple of Rimmam uh, to worship there, and he leans on my hand, and I bow in the temple of Rimmon, when I bow down, in the temple of Rimon, may the Lord please pardon your servant in this thing. So he, Elisha, said to him, go in peace. So he departed from him a short distance. I could guarantee you the trip back to Samaria was quite different than the trip down to the Jordan. Man, there there is something new about this man. It's almost as if he's become born again and his mindset and his attitude and his life is completely different why because he humbled himself he did what 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 the lord had asked him to do so that he could be healed and even though he he it may it sounded like it was the dumbest thing he could ever do and yet because he did it because he humbled himself he was a changed man it was his obedience that did that and then he's, his testimony is, indeed, I know that there is no God except the God of Israel. That was his testimony when he came back. He knew that no one else could ever have done this for him. Not even Elisha. It was the Lord. And I love the fact that, again, that Elisha is just in the background in all of this. And I can understand the gratitude that he has for Elisha. The fact that he wants to kind of give him a, a, a gift for, for, for doing this in his life, you know? And Elisha is going, not on your life, man. I don't want anything from you. And, and I think it was because he's going, I don't want you to think that you can buy these kinds of miracles in your life. Again, it's a heart of gratitude. And he's going, no, really, just take it. And he's going, no, I don't want you to think that every time you want God to do something, as long as you bring a gift, God's going to do it. I don't need anything. Nor does God need anything. And so once again, we see the wisdom of Elisha here. That he didn't want to misrepresent God in any way. And so in verse 17, uh, oh no, I already covered that. So this guy in, in, in verses uh, in verses 18, where he says, oh no, in verse 17, I was right. Where he says, well, in, in that case, let me take some dirt home. Let me take part of, part of this dirt 
to go home because most of them thought that whenever they left the country where their God was from, the God stayed there and they went into a different God's territory. And so for him, it was like, I want, I want to take some of this dirt back home with me so the God of Israel goes with me and I will have that dirt. And more often than not, what they would use that dirt, if it was kind of the, the kind of dirt that they could compact together, they would build an altar for the God of, of Israel. And so more than likely, that's what he was doing here. And so in essence, he's going, I want this God to come with me. And, and, and then he throws this in there. Oh, and by the way, when I go back and I get to my job, sometimes I have to go into this temple. And, and I, I don't really want to bow down before this God anymore because I only want to bow down before God. But my master, I'm his, like his right-hand man. And so when I bow down, can God just forgive me about that? And I love the fact that Elijah doesn't freak out. He's like, what? What? You can't do that. No, now you got to quit everything, man. Now you got to do. He didn't, he didn't tell him to do that. He doesn't give him the okay, but he doesn't like condemn the guy either because he has to go to work and do this. He just says, "Go in peace, go in peace," and I'm sure the Lord would deal with him and in, in whatever he had to do. And I better hurry. Verse twenty to the end of the chapter says, "The Ge- uh, Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God." said, look, my master has spared Naaman, the Syrian, the Syrian, while not receiving from his hand what he brought. But as the Lord lives, I will run after him and take something from him. And Gehazi pursued Naaman. When Naaman saw him running after him, he got down from the chariot to meet him and said, is all well? And he said, All is well. My master has sent me, saying, Indeed, just now two young men of the sons of the prophets have come to me from the mountains of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of gold and two changes of clothes. So Naaman said, Please take take two talents. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver. I said gold earlier, it's silver. Um, two talents of silver uh, in two bags and he changed <clears throat> and two changes of garments and he handed them to him uh, to his servants and they carried them on ahead of him when he came to the citadel he took them from their hand and stored it away in the house then he let them go and they departed now he went in and stood before his master Elisha said to him, Where did you go, Gehazi? And he said, Your servant did not go anywhere. And he said to him, Did not my my heart go with you? When the men turned back from the, the chariot to meet you, is it time to receive money, to receive clothe, clothing, olive groves and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male and female servants? Therefore, the leprosy of Naam shall cling to you and your descendants forever. And he went out from his presence, leprosy uh, as white as snow. And he went out from his presence, leprous, um, as white as snow. What an interesting turn of events. The, the, The servant, the one that has seen God do things time and time again probably thought I can't believe that we we're not going to get rich off of this because this guy's willing to give us all of this money all of this stuff 
and and here my my master is turning all all down and we see that this guy man he just goes back and he decides to do things his own way almost like ai in ai when ahaz um i think it was his name when they crossed over to jericho and and he had taken stuff and god had said don't take anything and he had taken it and hidden it and he got punished for it just like sapphira ananias and sapphira when they hid stuff from the Lord, and they got punished. Here, this guy gets punished with leprosy. And it's interesting because, again, as he went out, Elisha didn't go anywhere, but the Spirit of the Lord revealed it to him. And when he came back, not only is he lying to that guy and, and, and bringing in the Lord, saying, oh, you know, the, you know, uh, the, the Lord has done all this stuff and wants me to come and do this and this and that, and my master has sent me, and, and there's guys who have come, and all of this is just a farce. And he's lying and he wants to be rich. And it's interesting because he goes, is it time to receive money, vineyards, uh, or uh, receive clothing, groves, vineyards, uh, sheep? These are all the things that he already had in his mind that he wanted to do. And I'm sure he's going, how do you know that? And it's like, well, you work for a guy or you serve a guy that God speaks to. And he's revealed it all to him. And so the, the punishment here is that the leprosy that, that, that Naaman lost, this guy received it all full force. And now he would be an outcast for, forever just because of his sin, because of his greediness, because of his desire to gain something that God had said, I don't need you to do that. I will be your everything. He's going, no, I think I need some more. And so time's up. Let's pray. <laughs> Oh, Father, we just want to thank you so much for your word once again, Lord God, for just showing us, Lord God, that you work in so many crazy ways, Lord God. Even, even with this story, Lord God, with this man, Naaman, who was, a, who was an enemy of the people, and yet, Lord God, you still reached out to him. You used someone who has been in captivity, a young girl, Lord, who was able to minister in a faraway country, away from her family, even with the sadness that she was going through, Lord, you were able to use her. So, Lord, thank you, Lord God, for showing us, Lord God, that things aren't always conventional. Things aren't always textbook. You work in so many different ways, Lord God. Help us, Lord God, not to worry so much about the method, but to worry more about being obedient to you, Lord. And so, Jesus, we look to you, and we thank you for your faithfulness, for your goodness, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.